بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وبارك على الأشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين النبيين محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم وبعد الحمد لله إن previous lesson we discussed the first two types of ibadah mentioned as anthila as examples by Sheikh al-Islam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab in his text, Kitab Tawheed, Kitab text from Talaf al-Usul. And you go on to the next form of ibadah mentioned, mentioned by Shaykh al-Islam, Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, which is a tawakkul, the reliance, absolute reliance upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Shaykh Zaid mentions, وَمِنْ عَوَاعَ الْعِبَادَةِ From the forms of ibadah is a tawakkul. وَمَعْنَاهُ الْإِتِمَادَ عَلَى اللَّهِ فِي كُلِّ شَعْمٍ مِنْ شُعُونِكَ وَتَفْوِيدَ جَمِيعَ الْأُمُورِ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَحْدَهُ دُونَ السِّوَاهِ كَمَا أَتَى فِي الْعَيَةِ الْكَرِيمَةِ الْحَشْرَ الْوَالْقَسْرَ وَعَلَى اللَّهِ فَتَوَكَّلُوا إِنْ كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ وَعَلَى اللَّهِ فَتَوَكَّلُوا إِنْ كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ And so the Shaykh begins by mentioning this affair of tawakkul, this affair of reliance upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that the individual relies upon Allah in all of his affairs and that he relies upon Allah in a manner where he leaves his trust with Allah everything he leaves in in terms of his affairs is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without anyone else as is mentioned in the ayah where Allah Ta'ala states and have the trust upon Allah if you are truly believers. And so within this ayah, Barakullah Fikum, Allah Ta'ala associates the affair of a tawakkul with Iman. If you are truly believers, that the individual he has his trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is from yani, a person's iman. And so, this affair of tawakkul is that the individual essentially entrusts all of his affairs of his Lord and relies upon his Lord yani, in totality. He relies upon his Lord in order for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to fulfill that which is in his benefit and to remove any harm in relation to the affairs, فيما لا يقدر لا يقدر عليه إلا الله, in the things that Allah that cannot be fulfilled except by Allah subhanahu wa taala. And so, no doubt, this is ibadah. And so, whoever directs this to other Allah subhanahu wa taala, then this is regarded as being shirk. As for al-tamad, ما يسمى بالتمادة غير بالأحياء. فيما يقدر عليه من تسبب المباح في قضاء الحاجة أو دفع الكربة أو تنفيس الحم وغم في حدود ما يقدر عليه الإنسان فهذا لا محظور فيه إذا أنزلته بغير الله تبارك وتعالى And so in relation to an action where an individual seeks aid or he has some form of reliance from other than Allah in an affair that the insan can carry out, an action that insan can carry out. Then this action is mubah. This is something which is permissible. If they need someone to help them and fulfilling the need or removing a hardship or to bring about ease when it comes to grief and sorrow or ease when it comes to the affair of a person's anxieties. However, no doubt, this has to be within the hudud and it's restricted to that which insan are capable of doing. Then if this is done, then this is something which is يعني, permissible. And there's no tahrim in that regard. It's not regarded as being haram. It's not impermissible. If this is sought from other than Allah. And so, Shaykh Fawzan elaborates further of this point as well. 
where he mentions that there's a difference, there's a fark between at-tawakkul wa-tawakkul. At-tawakkul wa-tawakkul. Yani tawakkul ta-waw kaflam wa-tawakkul ta-waw alif kaflam. This tawakkul is his absolute form of reliance. His tawakkul is lillah. The absolute reliance upon Allah. They rely upon your Lord to fulfill your needs. It's tawakkul of Allah. What tawakkul? A tawakkul is the reliance. The tawakkul is when a person entrusts an action to another individual. So in relation to a tawakkul, to a tawakkul it could be a case where a person entrusts another person to fulfill a task for them. And in this regard, for example, if you entrust a person to look for a house for you, for example, to the extent that the person is referred to as a wakil, or in English an agent. Now, if they take agency, and if they take the responsibility of fulfilling a need for you. And so, of course, the true reliance is upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, thereafter, the person has a degree of reliance upon an individual to help them with that task. And them helping them with that task is not muharram, it's not haram, because uh, it's fair of tawakul. Because you've entrusted them with that task, and this is a task which is within the capability of insan. And so thus, with that, it is something which is permissible. Thereafter, Sheikh Zayd mentions the explanation of the word al-raghba, the desire. And what is meant by that in terms of ibadah is that the person desires what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala possesses by way of khayr in the dunya and akhirah. So he recognizes that khayr in the dunya and akhirah is from Allah. It's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I tell you the khayr in the dunya, i.e. the blessings of the dunya, and the khayr in the akhirah, i.e. in terms of the thawab, i.e. the rewards by way of the actions they perform. I see in the reward. Then this, all of this, is by way of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordains for mankind. And so, no doubt, the individual has the rajbah for that. Has this desire for that. And so this is from the ibadah of such an individual. And going back to what we discussed, the tawakkul, this reliance on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this tawakkul of Allah, this reliance upon the Lord, upon His Lord, the desire that he may possess for that which his Lord has for him by way of reward and that which his Lord has for him by way of blessing then this no doubt all of this is from ibadah and from the ibadah of the qulub all of these things are from the ibadah of the heart that the person engages in. And so, likewise, this is a means of a person that causes a person to strive. And so this is a direct result of the person's desire. That the person desires for the reward of Allah. And so this becomes manifest by way of their actions. If the person truly desires the reward of his Lord, i.e. that is what he has within his heart, then it will become manifest in his actions. And so when we state, for example, in relation to the Akhirah of Ahlul Sunnah, that it's Iman with Qalb, or Tasdik al-Qalb, wa Qawla bil-Lisan, wa Amun bil-Jawarih. The acceptance of the heart, belief in the heart, faith upon the tongue, action upon the limbs. When we state these things, in relation to that, is the affair that whatever resides within the heart 
will become manifest upon the tongue and the limbs. And so if now when we discuss this affair of ragwa, the desire, the person truly desires the khair that Allah Ta'ala possesses, as within the dominion of Allah Ta'ala, within the dunya al-akhirah, if he truly desires that, then it will become manifest upon his limbs by way of that which he speaks, and then his utterances, and manifest, or manifest upon his tongue and his utterances, and manifest upon his limbs and the actions that he performs, i.e. the ibadah that he performs. Thereafter, Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad al-Abdul Wahab mentions from the form of ibadah is al-Rahmah, an irreverent fear. وهي شدة الخوف من من عقوبة الله العاجلة وعاجلة فمن صرف منها شيئا لغير الله تبارك وتعالى فقد كفر أو أش أو أشبه لأن الله تبارك وتعالى لا يرد على عباده أن يصرفوا هاتين عبادتين الجليلتين لأحد سوى عنسو this affair of fear and it's linked to the Rahba. And the Rahba and the Rahba, the Rahba and the Rahba are mentioned together due to the fact that the Rahba is that desire for the Khayr, that desire for the Fawa, for the reward. That's the Rahba. And then you have the Rahba, the fear, where the person fears the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so they go hand in hand. Just as we mentioned previously, a khawf wa raja. And the, the person's fear and hope, they go hand in hand. You can't have too much of one over the other. Just as rajwa wa rahma. You can't have too much of one over the other. So the person desires that which is of reward. He desires of reward of Allah Ta'ala. Likewise, a person's fear, naam, the, 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 the reverent fear that a person has of his Lord, the reverent fear, the fact that he's aware that his Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that will bring about punishment. And no doubt he's the one that is, if he's deserving of it. If the, if the servant is deserving of it, Allah ta'ala is the one that will bring about punishment for him. And so there's that fear of Allah. That rahmah. And that reverent fear. And it's more, even more so than khawf. This, this goes hand in hand with the rahmah. It goes hand in hand with Rahmah. You can't now say that the person has just desires for a reward and leaves alone any fear of punishment. Likewise, you cannot have the, the, the scenario or the state of the abd where he's upon fear alone, while he does not have any desire for reward. And for example, the, the abd, the servant, which despairs upon what he's upon despairs about his actions. And so all he's engulfed and all he's consumed by is that fear of the punishment. No doubt the one should, have, should be aware of the punishment, should be aware of the, the source, the text regarding the punishment, and in relation to that should fear it. Likewise, when it comes to the rewards of Allah, and those rewards that Allah Ta'ala has promised for the muttaqeen, then the person must be aware of them, must be aware of the text of them, and desire of them as well. But again, as we mentioned, they go hand in hand. And Allah Ta'ala mentions in relation to these two things that in relation to these, these uh, in relation to the servant and the mu'mineen and the hal, the state of the mu'mineen, Allah Ta'ala states, إِنَّهُمْ كَانُوا يُسَارِعُونَ فِي الْخَيْرَاتِ وَيَدْعُونَنَا رَغَبًا وَرَهَبًا وَكَانُوا لَنَا خَاشِئِينَ Allah Ta'ala says in relation to them that indeed they are the individuals that hasten towards the khayrat, hasten towards the righteous action calling upon us with that desire and that reverent fear and they will stand before us in humility and awe. This is the state of the believers. This is the state of the ibad. That they hasten towards righteous action. They call upon Allah 
And whilst they call upon Allah, they're well aware of the khayr that Allah Ta'ala has. And they're well aware of the punishment that Allah Ta'ala may cause to befall them. And so this causes them to call upon their Lord with raghbah, hoping for that khayr, with that raghbah, desiring for Allah Ta'ala to bestow that good upon them in the dunya and the akhirah. And they call upon their Lord, yani having that fear of the punishment that may befall them. And so this is the hal of the qulub. This is the, the or its place is, is the heart. The place of this desire, the place of this reverent fear is the heart. Thereafter, from these forms of ibadah, now from these forms of ibadah, Shaykh al-Islam, Muhammad Abdul Hala was to mention the khushu wa khashiyah. Yeah, and the person's humility. And they're all in relation to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And all of them, and both of them, yeah, the khushu wa khashiyah, carry the meaning of tazazul. Yeah, and the person lowering oneself and humbling oneself. Lillahi azawajal. Humbling oneself for their Lord. And thus the person turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in sincere repentance and submission in that which is apparent and that which is within. In a manner which is the perfect love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala any love which is upon perfection. فَقَالُوا إِنَّ الْخَشْيَةَ خَوْفٌ مَسْحُوبٌ بِتَعْذِيمٍ بَيْنَمَا الْخَوْفُ قَدْ يَكُونُ مَعَهُ تَعْذِيمٌ وَقَدْ لَا يَكُونُ مَعَهُ تَعْذِيمٌ وَهَذَا الْحَقُّ And so, Shaykh Zayn here mentions that in relation to this affair of khashya and khawf that the ulama have made a clear distinction between the two. That the khashya and the khawf, as for the khashya, then this is accompanied by ta'zim, the glorification. So the glorifying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so when it comes to the khashya of Allah azawajal, then this is done by, by way of glorification. So it's fear along with glorification. As for khawf, as for fear, then fear could be glorification or it could be without. Because we mentioned there are different types of fear. For example, you have khawf, which is tabi'i. You have khawf, which is tabi'i. For example, if a person, hopefully no, it doesn't happen to anyone, but if a person opens their bathroom door, finds a crocodile in there, you khawf, you have fear. Now, I don't think that will happen in the UK. Maybe the most side, I don't know. <laughs> but a person opens the door and he finds something of that he's naturally scared of. This is fear. But it's not ta'adim now. Naam. So it's not his it's not to have glorification of that particular any beast, whatever it is. Naam. And so khawf can occur with, with ta'adim or without. Khashya will always occur with ta'adim, with this affair of glorification. And so this is the, uh, this is the difference that is, that is made, the distinction that is made between the two. فَيَخَدْ يَخَافُ الْإِنسَانِ بِالْعَدُوْ So it's possible that the person, he fears the enemy. Naam, it's a natural fear. It's a natural fear that the enemy has come, has come has come towards you. And the natural fear is because now it's threat to life. But this fear is not, does not have any form of ta'adim within it, any glorification. It's just a fear. It's a natural fear. Now, likewise the beast, as you mentioned. And, but when it comes to khashiyah, then the khashiyah is Company has been accompanied with this ta'adim. And as mentioned, as is mentioned in relation to the malaika, the noble malaika, Allah Ta'ala mentions, 
وهم من خشيته مشفقون and that they are by way of their fear of Allah in awe and they are in awe of him and in fear in relation to the malaik and in relation to the ulama who are the best and the pinnacle of the creation the pinnacle of this ummah as Allah Ta'ala mentioned in relation to them إِنَّمَا يَقْشَ اللَّهَ مِنْ عِبَادِ الْعُلَمَاءِ Indeed, those that have the greatest fear of Allah, the khashiyah of Allah, from amongst his servants, are the ulama. Those that possess the greatest amount of fear of Allah, from amongst his servants, are the ulama. They fear him the most. And this is the khashiyah. And in this ayah, Allah Ta'ala mentions khashiyah wala khawf. This doesn't mention khawf. It mentions the khashiyah that the ulama have due to the fact that their fear of Allah in this regard is accompanied with the ta'deem of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So their fear of Allah is accompanied with their glorification of Him, azawajal. Now, and so, Shaykh Zayd mentioned in relation to this ayah, that these ulama, that have been referred to as the ulama, are the ulama al-shar, are the ulama of the sharia, the ulama that know the legislation, the ulama, those that possess knowledge of the kitab wa sunnah, now there's this knowledge of the kitab, the book of Allah, and the sunnah of, of his Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi And they are, those that act upon it. Now, as we know, the person, he may be regarded as being alim due to the knowledge that he has, but he's merely alim lughatan. He's merely alim linguistically, if he's, an, if he's a person that possesses knowledge but without action. However, the one that is truly an alim, na'am, yani, the alim of the sharia, is an individual that from the apparent, he has that ilm and he acts upon it. He has the knowledge and he acts upon it. He takes from the nafa, from the benefit of that knowledge, which is the action. And so, when Allah ta'ala mentions the khashiyah of the ulama, the khashiyah of the ulama, this fear of the ulama that they have, and this awe that they have for Allah is a direct result of that ilm that they have, and they're acting upon that knowledge. Naam, they have knowledge of their Lord, accompanied with the ta'deem of Allah. For indeed, no doubt, a person cannot have true ta'deem of their Lord except they have knowledge of Him. They have to have knowledge of Allah to truly fear Him. And so, and when they have this knowledge, and when they have this ta'deem, this is a complete action. And these and these these are the sifat and the khisad and the distinct the distinct characteristics of the ulama. If they have their, their knowledge, but it's complete by action. Now and likewise anyone that directs any form of this ibadah to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this khashiyah and this fear, then this is regarded as being shirk. And Allah Azza wa Jalla has warned us against that by way of his statement, فَلَا تَخْشَوْهُمْ وَخْشَوْهُمْ I do not fear them, but fear me. Thereafter, Shaykh al-Islam, Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, he mentioned the action of al-Inaba. He mentioned the action of Inaba, the ibad of Inaba. You generally understand to be the individual yani, submitting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so, this inaba is individual returning to Allah ta'ala at every moment within the moments of his life. And this is due to the fact that the true believer, لا يرى نفسه إلا مقصرا مهما بذل من جهل في طاعة الله لعظم نعم الله عليه وكثرتها and so the believer in reality he does not see himself except that he is an individual that has يعني that he has deficiencies 
He's well aware of his own deficiencies. And so thus, this is what encourages him and spurs him on to act in relation to the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is due to the fact that he's well aware of the grandeur of the, of the, of the blessings that Allah Ta'ala has bestowed upon him. And the great nature of the blessings, as well as the fact that the blessings that Allah Ta'ala has bestowed upon him are plentiful. There are many. And so when a believer, when he compares the blessings that have been bestowed upon him, to himself and the action that he puts forth, then he will always look at this reactor reality of his actions as being less than and being something that he's fallen short in. And this is something that pushes him to become more and more in, engaged in ibadah, essentially, and engaged in obedience because he wants, he's always striving to make up that deficit. He recognizes the deficit. And he's always striving to make up that deficit. He's well aware of the blessing. And his blessing that he's not able to amount. And he strives, and so thus he strives in order to make up that. Make up for those, for, those, uh, for those blessings. And so thus, no doubt, what we understand from this as well is that the believer, it's not upon the believer to be in a state of self-amazement or the believer to be in any state where he becomes complacent. Because if a person is so self-assured, self-amazed, it becomes becomes complacent with the action that he put forth. If a person believes or the shaitan deceives the individual to believe that that which he's putting forth are actions that are makbula, I accept it. Then, no doubt, this is from, this is from the wasawis of the shayateen that would encourage the person to leave off other righteous actions. However, if the person is, is an individual, a servant, that's reflective upon his actions, but reflects upon his actions in light of the blessings that have been bestowed upon him, then he's always going to be striving, always going to be an individual that strives in order to perform righteous actions. Now, and so thus, Sheikh Zayd also mentions that this Inaba, in its reality, is Tawbah. So Inaba and Tawbah can be regarded as being one and the same. The Inaba and Tawbah can be regarded as being one and the same. Why? Because Within the Inaba, the person submitting and returning back to his Lord on a constant basis, within this action, the person fulfills the shurut of the Tawbah. The person fulfills all of the conditions of the Tawbah. Now, for example, the Tarq al-Ma'as or Ma'asiyah. So the person leaves off action of disobedience. And he regrets that which has passed previously, or that which has occurred, from him falling short. وَنَبْضَ الْغَفْلَ وَالْعَزَمَ عَلَى فِعْلِ الْعَوْدَ إِلَى فِعْلِ And the person has that desire, no doubt, the person has that desire to fulfill actions of obedience and not to return to actions of Disobedience. All these, no doubt, are the same conditions of Tawbah. And so these same conditions of Tawbah are also present when the person submits to his Lord in Inaba. In relation to Inaba, then this is the same affair and the same conditions. Wallahu ta'ala a'lam. Thereafter, we have Al Isti'ana. Thereafter, we have an isti'ana. And this is seeking the aid of Allah Ta'ala. Al isti'ana, from the action of ibadah, 
التي لا يجوز أن تصرف إلا إلى غير الله. I seek an aid. I seek an aid in makhluk fima la yaqtar alayhi illa Allah. So seek an aid of the creation is something that cannot be, cannot be fulfilled except by Allah. This seek an aid can only be done with Allah. And so if the person directs this action of seeking aid to other than Allah, Naam. For example, the person seeks aid with the makhluk, with the creation, whether the creation be alive or dead. Allah in Jab al Walad, Wal Jab al Rizq, Wal Def al Marad, in a very valid, Mimma la yakhtar alayhi in Allah, Kama yaf alo al Mushikun, or Faniyun. And so when a person, for example, he sees aid with the uh, now, aid of the creation, whether the creation be alive or dead. And they seek aid with the creation in order for that creation, for example, they seek aid with that creation and it's asked that creation, that, that individual, to bring about uh, a child for them, bring a child for them. Into them and the spouse. Or, for example, that they provide them with, uh, bring about their provisions, increasing their provision. Or that they repel or remove, yani, a marad. Yeah, you remove a, an illness. And other than that, in all of these things that cannot be done except for the mission of Allah, as is the, as is the other actions are done by the mushrikun. And I want to deal with those that are the idol worshippers. Even if they are those that live amongst the Muslims, i.e. those that ascribe to Islam, now, then this action is shirk al-akbar. If we were to go back now on the things that are mentioned by the Sheikh, by Sheikh Zayn, he mentions these examples of actions that are not that can, that are actions that cannot be fulfilled except by Allah. So for example, now the the bringing about the, the con- or the conceiving of a child. Now, does this now mean that the person cannot go to the doctor and seek aid in terms of asbab when it comes to conceiving a child? Is this what is meant? Is this what is the understood from this kalam? Now, what is understood by way of it then? In this in this particular reply, what is understood by way of that? Now, essentially, you can seek the means for any action. However, you, the intisab and the intiqad and that which you believe is that this can only be provided by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The conception only occurs by way of the permission of Allah. So, if now the person goes to the doctor and he goes to seek aid from that doctor, now, in terms of his, the, the expertise, like that. However, now, what the, sheikh, what the sheikh is referring to is that the individual, they might do that same action, go to the doctor, but then they go to their sheikh, and they say, sheikh, yani, make it so that me and my, my, my spouse conceive. Now, then the sheikh doesn't have any ability to do so. Rather, it's upon them to turn to Allah and seek the aid of Allah in that regard. Likewise, the second adv- uh, example given is yani, to bring him about and uh, provision, and I uh, bring about provision. No doubt the person goes out and seeks the means in provision. All of these examples are not about the means. The example is about the asl of this particular maslah, this particular benefit. So the person seeks the means in terms of their risk. For like that. Of course, the person has to seek the means. However, it's not a case now that they go to, again, go to someone that they regard as being pious. Or they go to an idol and they ask the idol to aid them in increasing them in, in, their, in their risk. Now, rather they, they can seek the means, but they can't go to, some, they can't go to the idol 
or go to the one that they, they direct their worship towards, other than Allah, tabarak wa ta'ala, to increase them in their risk. Wakada, yeah, I need a final example in terms of the repelling and the, uh, the cure of an illness. If a person in particular has an illness, then we do not now say that due to the person, due to this, that, or due to this kalam, that a person cannot now go to the doctor. Now, in order to uh, have an illness diagnosed, or in, in order for the doctor to help with yani, the cure for that. However, the cure in reality is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If Allah ta'ala ordains for that person to be cured, then they'll be cured. If Allah ta'ala ordains that this person will not be cured, they will not be cured. And so it's upon them to seek aid in Allah ta'ala. Naam, first and foremost with all of these things. And it's, so this, all of these things do not negate that the person seeks the means, yani any dunyari means, in order to aid them in a particular affair. However, this does not now mean that the person yani goes to other than Allah ta'ala, in order for these things to be fulfilled. Now, and the proof for this particular act of ibadah is the statement of Allah ta'ala, a statement that we state that we state every day at least 17 times a day yeah, to you we direct our worship to you we seek aid and we worship Allah Ta'ala alone and we do not direct any ibadah except to you O Allah and we do not seek aid except with you O Allah and so this is a wa'ad a promise and a covenant that the servant makes with his Lord. A promise and a covenant that the servant makes with his Lord. That he promises that he will fulfill this action of ibadah. And his ibadah will be for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Thereafter, Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad Abdul Wahab goes on to mention al-isti'adah. Al-isti'adha, they are seeking refuge. And this is seeking refuge in Allah ta'ala. And so due to that, you hear the, ser- the servant of Allah ta'ala state, A'udhu billahi bin shaytani rajim. I seek refuge in Allah. And from the shaytan. And so... This is a particular يعني, dua, a supplication of the servant where he mentioned that I seek refuge in Allah. يعني. I turn to Allah and I seek his refuge. That he removes the shaitan and the one that has been distanced away. I removes him from me due to the fact that he is adu, he is an enemy. The shaitan is an enemy to me as a servant and an enemy to the awliya of Allah. And so, this statement of, of al-isti'adah is something which is expressed upon the tongue. And cannot be done except with Allah. I person cannot seek refuge except with Allah. Why? Because he is the one that is able to repel these harms. And he is the one that is able to bring about the khayr with ease. And that is Allah by way of his hand, where he will dispose of the affairs of the creation within the heavens and the earth. As Allah Ta'ala mentions, إِنَّمَا عَمْرُهُ إِذَا أَرَادَ شَيْئًا أَنْ يَقُولَ لَهُ كُنْ فَيَقُولَ That indeed the affair of Allah is with Allah. And if he intends something to occur, then he will say, be. And thus it will be. And so, whoever seeks refuge in Allah, not Allah, I to remove particular harm. It's something that cannot be done except by Allah, then again this person has fallen into shirk. He's associated shirk with Allah, associated partners of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
The next one the Ibadah mentioned by Shaykh al-Islam, Muhammad Abdul Wahab, is al-Istighatha. Next one the Ibadah is al-Istighatha. And this is the secret of the aid. Or the secret of the aid in terms of يعني, a hal shibka. In terms of a scenario when, a, when an individual is in great hardship and in great need. And again, this cannot be done except with Allah. And seeking the aid in Avana Allah cannot be done when it comes to the affairs that can only be fulfilled by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so thus, with istirafa and isti'adha together, then when it comes to seeking the aid of Avan Allah, then we say that there are conditions. There are conditions. The first of those conditions is that it has to be something which that you're seeking aid that the person is able to do. It's in the capacity of mankind to fulfill. So when you're seeking aid to someone, it has to be فيما يقدر عليه الإنسان فيما يقدر عليه الإنسان The second condition is that the person has to be حاضر The person has to be يعني, present the same condition is the person has to be present. And the third condition is that if the person is not present in the Bidati and is specifically present, then they take the hukum of the one that is present. They take the ruling of the one that is present. So essentially there are two conditions, but you have the third in the absence of the second. And now if anyone seeks aid in other than Allah, whilst one of those conditions have not been fulfilled, for God Ashraf. If anyone seeks aid in other than Allah, whilst any of these conditions have not been fulfilled, then they have fallen into shirk. So for example, going back to what we discussed, if the person seeks aid in Avana Allah in order, when it comes to injab al walad, in order to conceive a child, Naam, then this is something that is not within the capability of mankind. And so this now would be shit. Or if the person seeks aid in Avana Allah with the maids, the one that is dead of the deceased then this is this individual is not hazard this individual is not present and so thus the person by way of that has fallen into shit the person by way of that has fallen into shit because the one is not present just like as well if the person seeks aid for example, they're here in Britain and then they seek aid with the, the one that they regard as being their sheikh or their saint in another land. Now, they seek aid with the, the one that they regard as being their saint in another land. But of course, they, this individual can't hear them. But they seek aid. Then, again, the person is not present and this is again a ship. When we have this third condition, Referring to the one that is not present, however, takes the hukum, the ruling of the one that is present, then this is in relation to the one where there is a degree of communication. There's a means of communication. So, for example, in, the, in this day and age, communication is of great ease. Where you can speak to someone on the telephone. And before this day and age, you can communicate by way of sending letters. And so, if this is the case, then 
to be permissible. So, for example, you ask someone to help you move house. Now, if you ask your, your friend to help you move house, I help you, I aid you with moving house, and you're with him physically, you directly ask him, now, then you fulfill this condition. Because there's something that, of course, he can do as, as, an, as from inside, something which is physically possible, and he's had it. Yeah, and he's an individual that is present. And so due to that, you take that, you take heed of that, and go forth. And it's not a case where the person has fallen into yeah, any uh, action of disobedience or shit. Thereafter, you, call, you have the narration. Where it mentions uh, this narration, mentions the found in Sahih Bukhari. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentions Asbaha min ibadi mu'min bi wa kafir. فأما من قال مترنا بفضل الله ورحمته فذلك مؤمن بي وكافر بكوكب وأما من قال مترنا بنو كذا وكذا فذلك كافر بي مؤمن بالكواكب and so he mentioned صلى الله عليه وسلم that the servants when they wake up they wake up as a believer and a disbelief. As for the one that states that we've been blessed with rain by way of the virtue of Allah and His, and his mercy, then this, is a, this individual is a believer in me. I resist to what Allah Ta'ala states. He's a believer in me. And a disbeliever in the Kawkab, yani in the stars. And it's not attributed to a star. And as for the one that states that the rain has been bestowed upon us due to Beno Keda wa Keda. Yani, due to the star, and they mention the name of so and so and so and so. Then this individual has disbelieved in me. I disbelieved in Allah whilst believing in the stars. Yeah, they mean it that they've attributed this affair of the rain to the stars. That is the rain. And sending forth this blessing, they've attributed it to the stars rather than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so the these blessings and ascending forth of abundant rain from other than Allah if these blessings are ascribed to other than Allah and then this, this uh, seeking of this abundant rain is sought to other from other than Allah then this is from the greatest forms of shirk which have been warned against by way of the Quran and so this is the affair of the istighath. The next form of ibadah mentioned by the Shaykh is a dhabh in his slaughtering. And no doubt the dhabh in the slaughtering is a slaughtering which is for Yani Allah. And so, a slaughter can be done for different reasons. You have a slaughter which is regarded as being ibadah. Naam. You have a slaughter which is ibadah, action of ibadah, and it's in accordance with Tawheed. Likewise, you have a slaughter which is shirk. You have a slaughter which is in accordance with the Sunnah, and you have a slaughter which is Bidah. 
Naam. And you have a slaughter which is regarded as being an adam. Yani, and that shoots mubah. Permissible. So a slaughter which is yeah, an obligation. What's the example of slaughter which is an obligation and ibadah? Eid al-Adha, ala kawl, now. What else? An obligation. Aqiqa, ala kawl. Ta'aqiqa, now. What else? Something close to Eid al-Adha. What happens around the time of Eid al-Adha as well? Hajj, now. Ta'udhi. What happens around the time? I have the same day. Now. All of this is ibadah. So when the person does a slaughter, for example, the monastic hajj, from the monastic hajj that he slaughters, this is for Allah, it's ibadah. Then you have the slaughter which is regarded as being mustahab. It should be? Ta'aqiqa, Allah. Naam, ta'aqiqa, mustahab. Then you have the slaughter which is shirk. Which should be what? Now, slaughter for Abu Allah, where you find the actions of some of the the mushrikeen, they may slaughter for one of the jinn, for example, or slaughter for an idol. Hoping that this sacrifice, this particular sacrifice, is done in order to seek nearness to the idol, the shirk. Now, and you have slaughter, which is bid'ah, which would be what. A slaughter for a manasa, but for an event which is an innovation in of itself. For example, the molin. Naam. And they have a slaughter which is mubah, which, which is a permissible, for example, what? To eat from. Naam. Or if a guest come and you slaughter, naam, in order to feed the guest. And so each and every one of these uh are in relation to like, the slaughter itself. So you have a slaughter that is an, ob- that is an obligation, slaughter which is mustahab, you have a slaughter which is shit, a slaughter which is bid'ah, a slaughter which is permissible. Each and every one of those. And the reality is, is that the slaughter which is done, I know that has to be done, lillah, and the blood is spilled, lillah, and so the person cannot now Make the slaughter for Avon and Allah. Going on to mention this affair of the, the, the guest. I slaughtered for the guest. And this is something which is praiseworthy as long as the person, of course, slaughters. Mention the name of Allah. And the proof for that is the statement of the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. وَمَنْ كَانَ يُؤْمِنُ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ فَالْيُكْرِمُ الْضَيْفِ that whoever believes in Allah and the last day, then let him honor his guest. And so, this honor of a guest is something which is not only from the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah, but it's also attributed to Iman. It's attributed to the Iman of the servant. Whoever believes in Allah on the last day, then let them honor the guest. And likewise, it's mentioned from being from the Sunnah of Ibrahim As Allah Ta'ala mentions, فَرَاغَ إِلَىٰ أَهْلِهِ فَجَاءَ بِعِجْلٍ سَمِينٍ And so he looked to his family, referring to Ibrahim السلام, and came with a roasted calf. Now, and so Sheikh Zayd mentions here, well, and so he mentions, Rahimahullah, I summon the speech of the ulama, that some of the ulama they mention, that if the person has the ability, based on these texts that we mentioned about the the, the guests, that if the person has the ability 
that if the guests come, I enter upon them, that is an, oblig- is an obligatory for them to slaughter, yani, in order to honor them, yani, slaughter and feed them from that slaughter. And so far as the Nusab in the rites and the rituals of Hajj, and this is an ibadah. And so this cannot be directed to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Thereafter, we have the final form of ibadah mentioned by the final form of ibadah mentioned here by uh, Shaykh al-Islam. Now, mentioned by Shaykh al-Islam, Muhammad Abdul Wahab, which is another, and he devout. Then the person makes a vow. And this is ibadah. No doubt this, this vow that the person makes is an action of ibadah as well. And irrespective of whatever it is, once the person makes the vow, he cannot vow to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whether it be the person makes a vow for, for fasting or for minhaj. Or the person makes a vow to, to, to do a tikaf. Naam, whatever it may be. Then all of this is regarded as being ibadah. And so it's not permissible that the person directs that to other than Allah. Naam. So the person must make that vow to yani Allah Ta'ala. If the person now makes a vow which is muqayyid and is restricted, then this is regarded as being makruh. What we might restricted is that the person makes a vow and it is yani, conditional. And so the Nabi mentioned, And so he mentions that this particular vow doesn't come with any good. Rather, what happens, what is, or no, the person has not made this vow, a particular vow like this, except for the one that's bakhil, the one that's stingy. I, the person, in reality, they want something, and so they make it conditional. So they'll say, for example, yeah, they had a similar mithal, that their child's sick. And they, they say that if Allah Ta'ala cures my child, then I will fast three days. So they make a condition upon that. So the Messenger of Allah وسلم, he referred to such an individual as the Bakhil, the stingy one. I because because the individual in this regard they are they are Bakhil in relation to yani, their ibadah, their deeds. And to the, to the extent that they seek to make a covenant with Allah and a train with Allah that I'll do these righteous actions if you bestow this upon me. When rather, the individual should do the righteous action anyway. I should not make a condition upon Allah Ta'ala. Rather, what they should do is do the, do the righteous action anyway. However, such a vow... If they do make such a vow, then they have to make the vow with Allah. If they make such a vow, even though it's makruh, even though it's disliked, if they make such a vow, then that vow, if they make it with other than Allah, then it's no longer makruh, but it's haram. Bel shirk. Naam, it's an action of shirk. And this essentially Generally, you find as well that Ahl al-Ilm do not encourage the individual to make these, these particular vows. Because when a person makes that vow, then he's made, he's made something incumbent upon himself. When we're talking about the vow that the person makes, another, they were referring to the vow that the person makes in relation to something that wasn't an obligation upon themselves, and they made it binding upon themselves now. Now, if they made that vow to do a particular action, so they made it binding upon themselves. So, for example, the person says, the person states, for example, 
I'm going to fast for the next X amount of weeks, six weeks, my friend. Mondays and Thursdays, and they make that vow to do so. Naam. Before it was Mustahab. If they did it, Falabats. If they did it, Yani Fakhir, Yani. There's Khair for them. If they didn't do it, Falabats. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no sin upon them. But now they've made it binding upon themselves. And so the person, rather than what is better than is that the person embarks upon Ibadah without making it bind upon himself and bringing any form of mashakka upon himself. And even worse, if he makes it conditional upon something else. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. And inshallah, we'll conclude here. Wallahu a'lam. And go on to mention some of the nusuls, some of the text in relation to these forms of ibadah in our next lesson. Inshallah, barakallahu feekum. Wa jazakumallahu khayra. Wa sallallahu wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam.